0: Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen
1: Walsh, And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Khalifa Aljada, who is the Director of Core Data Science at The Home Depot. Hi, Khalifa. Thank you so much for joining us on AI Today.
2: Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure.
0: Yeah, welcome, Khalifa, and thanks so much for joining us. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at The Home Depot.
2: Sure. So my name is Khalifa Al-Jada. I have a PhD degree in computer science. I started my career in data science back in 2013 as a PhD intern at CareerBuilder, which is one of the largest job boards in the U.S. And my career with CareerBuilder actually extended to uh, until 2018. During that I was actually leading the search and recommendation data science team, where I was lucky, actually, to get involved early enough in building the semantic search engine for the company. And after that, building an AI-based recommendation engine. So the semantic search engine actually is the one that has been uh, leveraged by the company for their B2B side of business. And the AI-based recommendation engine, which we built there, is now serving millions of job seekers on the B2C side of the company. So very proud of that journey with Career Builder. In 2018, I joined Home Depot and I joined as a senior manager of Core Recommendation Data Science Team under the online business of Home Depot. I built a team and we actually worked very hard in the last Two years to build, again, state-of-the-art e-commerce recommendation engine for Home Depot. Very proud of what we accomplished as a team. And in May this year, 2020, I was promoted to Director of Core Data Science. In my organization now, I have the Core Search Data Science team, Core Recommendation Data Science team, and the Visual AI team. Our focus, or my role focus now is, as the name suggests, to improve the core functionality of HomeDepot.com from search and recommendation perspective. So we work to improve search relevancy. We work to make our recommendation more and more personalized and relevant to our customers and guide our customers and kind of give them the experience which they get in the physical store as part of our interconnected experience initiative. So that's overall uh, what uh, my role uh, includes now at Home Depot. And I'm I'm very proud and excited actually about the team that we have built uh, for the core data science at Home Depot and the work that we have done uh, for the e-commerce.
1: Yeah, well that's that's fantastic. And you know, I, I really have to give a plug for the talk that you gave at the Data for AI Week mm-hmm. online conference because you you showed you spent about 30, 40 minutes really walking in fairly Good detail how the Home Depot actually does its product recommendation system. He showed how the system works. Uh, there was some math in there, which was great, a, little, a tiny little bit of code, but more math than code, and it was showing how it was the sum. And, <laughs> and it was fantastic. Yep. I mean, and so, you know, for those who are listening, if you really want to, to dive deeper and actually see this uh, the presentation, you can. The, the, uh, the conference is available for free. So if you go to Data AI Conf, Data AI C-O-N-F, c-o-n-f dot com and look for Khalifa's presentation it's on the e-commerce system he talks about the uh, recommendation system it's just fantastic and I I love seeing it because you know I have to say I'm you know Probably like many of us here in the United States, you know, I'm a big Home Depot customer. i but feel I feel like I go there like every other week. Especially, you know, uh, we're all at home these days, so you you can't help but notice the things that you need to right re- <laughs> fix and repair. Right. And, and I even do some stuff outside. And it's it's the it's the season of the deer, kind of eating everything and wrecking everything. So so I think it's fantastic. Well, well maybe maybe for our listeners here, um, if you can provide a little bit of insight, you talked a little bit about the recommendation system. And I know that it's really hard to, we don't have slides here on a podcast, so it's going to be hard to uh, share, but you were talking Mm -hmm. about solving challenging e-commerce problems using the power of data science. That was the title of the talk. So maybe you could share some of the insights that you shared at the conference around the recommendation system, around recommendation systems in general, maybe around the relationship between data science and e-commerce, which, you know, maybe people haven't Mm -hmm. really thought about that deeply.
2: Yeah, sure, sure. And first of all, thank you for uh, highlighting the talk. Absolutely, it was actually a a great conference overall. So I I congratulate you guys on the success of the conference. I enjoyed being part of it. Thanks for having me. Back to the question about the talk and the relationship between the e-commerce and and the data science. Absolutely, data science is transforming retail today, especially on the e-commerce side and how we do things on the e-commerce. And the use cases I presented in my talk uh we're actually uh, real use cases of things that we implemented at Home Depot and and that changed actually how we do recommendation on our websites to make them more relevant and to make them, as I mentioned earlier, more personalized to our customers' need. So one of the one of the use cases that I highlighted there, which is one of the projects I really like so much proud of, and we actually published the our work in that project at the ACM Rixys 2019 conference last year and uh, in that in that project there was a a problem which is our customers when they come to our website and let's say they they one of our customers liked a faucet and they're working on um bathroom renovation project so the faucet with the customer like it has a brand it has a model it has um a color a color finishing style you know so usually Think of yourself, myself, when we shop for those things for bathroom renovation. If I like a faucet, I would like to complete the look of my bathroom with the same, with, with harmony, with the same color, kar- color kar- finishing style. So I would like to see, to get a shower head and, and a shower knob and a towel ring and a towel bar all go in harmony, all match the style of the faucet that I liked, right? So we refer to this as collection. Uh, recommendation which means that if i if the customer like this anchor product the faucet i would like to help the customer by showing them everything else they need for their bathroom that go along with this faucet it is same brand it is the same color the same color finishing the same style you know and it and, and it is different functionality like if this is a shower head it's not an, a diff, it's it's not another faucet you know so diversity as well is is an important aspect there so if you think of this problem, this is kind of a typical problem where data science really can help. So before data science, this problem used to be solved by manual process, where someone needs to go in, through the catalog and find out what shower head, ta- what towel bar, towel ring goes with this faucet, and then even to, to group them together, and then we show them on the site as, as a collection together. But what we did using the the power of data science is we actually took all those manually curated collections that we used to have on our website. And then we trained deep learning models, same as uh, network. And we used actually the textual data that describes the product. So you have a product title, product description. And also we use the visual assets, which is the image of the products that we have. And that, that same network that we train using, the again, the uh, curated collections that we manually created before, we train the network to predict if product A and product B should belong to the same collection or not. So the, the positive examples in this case, you can think of those manually curated collections, and the neg- negative examples, anything else outside those collections. So we train the network, and then we also use some computer vision techniques to help us extract from the product image the color features, the color and color finishing features of the image, and then we made kind of a, a multi-modal learning um, technique where we merge the knowledge that we extracted from the images, the f- color features, and the knowledge we extracted from the text, that the t- the title and description, to come up with a joint embedding that tells us if the uh, product A and product B should belong to the same collection or not? So at the end, and I'm sorry if I got into a little bit of technical uh, stuff here, but at the end, when we after we trained this network and we we ran the model, we were able actually to expand our our collection recommendation to almost cross catalog all the categories. Where if I have an anchor product, I can you know dig into the catalog and come back with a list of products that can form a collection with that anchor product. To help our customers now find everything they need in one stop instead of go and search individually for each of those products that belong to that collection and, you know, go through tens of uh, of search pages, search results pages to find the things that goes together well. So this is one of the uh, projects that I highlighted in the talk. And, and uh, as I also said in the results section, actually, that we have seen... A tremendous uh, re- uh, or impressive results actually on on the accuracy side. So the the uh, the network that we trained and the model, the multi model that we built, when we did the manual validation of the results, we actually have seen up to ninety eight percent accuracy of the um, of, of the accuracy where the network actually predicted that two things, those two things, should belong to the same collection or they should not belong to the same collection. Again, this interesting work was published in ACM-Rexis 2019. If anyone is interested, you can go search for the collection recommendation paper on acm Rixis 2019 for more technical details.
1: Yeah, that, that's great. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll try to get a link to that paper and include that in the show notes if we can. So we'll make sure to remember to do that. And we'll, we'll include that sure. in the details. Um, but actually, just a quick quick follow-up. I love this idea of collections. And of course, you know, sort of like the heuristic, right? The the brute force way of doing it might mm-hmm. be, the simple way of doing it might be like, oh, well, you just maybe you use some skew-based method or something, you know, where the, the manufacturer says that they've already identified this as part of a collection. That would be the way to do it without having to do any data science. But I think the way that this is kind of interesting interesting, this is kind of maybe a question for you, is it's one thing to show, let's say, you know, all the, you know, the Delta faucets and the things in that same mm-hmm. product category that all go together because they all have the same, you know, tag or something. But it'd be another thing to say, these faucets maybe go with this cabinet furniture, or these faucets maybe go with this wall color, or this goes with this floor right. tile. That is, that that's a little more interesting because now it's not just a matter of matching brand and, you know, yep. Br- Bransky, Could, right. how how far along do you think we are until we get those kind of recommendations? We might like, oh, you might want to consider this, you know, uh, vanity, you know, or something like that.
2: Yeah, you're right. Actually, that's a very interesting uh, question because on our website, there is another container called coordinating items besides the collection, and the coordinating items actually are the things which you, which you just described. They're they're not basically. Uh, faucet and head and towel bar blah, blah, all from the same brand they are from different brands they are from different even like um, categories but again like the way we group them together and we call them coordinating item is that they there is harmony and there is like their visual features go along with each other and that's another kind of model where we expanded our collection recommendation model that i described into um, uh, that that level of uh, looking into other categories and see what are the things as you said like there is a, a, this faucet can go with this vanity and it it can uh, basically go with uh, with this mirror you know and all that kind of thing. so there is a container already on our website called coordinating items this algorithm I just described. We expanded that actually after after the we roll it out for collection to power that container as well. And you can see if you visit HomeDepot.com on any of the product information page, a container called coordinating items. That container now is powered by the deep learning model, which I which I just described.
1: Fantastic.
0: That- yeah, that's really awesome. You know, I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, this is like a personal designer. <laughs> you know, I'm like, exactly. You, need exactly. To, no, you, you no longer need to pay for for somebody to come into your house and, uh, you know, figure out uh, all this coordination. You can do it online, which is uh, pretty incredible. And, you know, things are becoming more powerful every day, kind of as a right. follow-up to that. What are some of the opportunities that retail operations can face when it comes to AI adoption?
2: Well, that's a million-dollar question, uh, (laughs) Kathleen. There are many, actually, um, challenges that um, the companies, the the retail companies usually face uh, when it comes to AI adoption. And I can list here some of the most important challenges. Which I guess uh, Home Depot and other companies all face when they started their journey to AI. The most important one, in my opinion, is how to build data science organization within your company and attract the right talents. This is an emerging field, and especially in the in the in the retail. It's really challenging to, uh, to, to build the organization because the first question usually is where to place the data science organization? Is it going to be like under what? Under the marketing, under the, uh, the business, under IT? So where to place it? Then once you decide, okay, I want to, for example, place it under the IT. Okay, now bringing the right talent, attracting the right talent to, for that organization is another challenge. You know, like most of the companies, if not actually all the tech companies, hiring for data science talents. And the right talents, the supply pool is very limited. And there is a shortage in the talents. And on the other hand, if this is like a new organization, like how would you convince experienced people who have established their career in data science and who has offers from the big tech companies to leave uh, those companies and come join an, a brand new organization? Data science organization, which is not mature yet. Maybe they don't even uh, know what projects they, they they want to apply data science in. So establishing an organization by itself and attracting the right talents and later on retain the right talent is absolutely one of the uh, barriers or challenges which the retail companies face when it comes to uh, AI adoption. The other challenge that the the companies usually face it's on how would you establish data science as an R&D organization in a retail company, which is not used to that kind of thing? Because the retail companies usually, they have absolutely for years IT department where they do software engineering, but there wasn't really R&D. And data science is an R&D. So establishing an an R&D organization, how would you manage it? Like as I said, if you place it under the IT, if they want to manage the data science team, the same way they manage the software engineering team, it will not work because Agile is is a perfect model for for software engineering teams, but Agile will not work for the data science teams. You cannot ask the data science team to roll out a feature every two weeks, for example, as a print. So that's one of the challenges as well, is how to establish the data science as an R&D organization. And that means that this organization needs to conduct research and discovery and then build models and then roll it out into production. It's not like, you know, I have this web form that I want to create or I have this Java uh, Java program that I want to write for this, um, for this text field or this um, drop-down list. It is not like that. It's totally different. And then lastly, the mindset in the retail industry. The mindset was that we have been running this, business for decades and we've been successful in running the business why do i need data scientists so the data science organization usually face some resistance and um let's say a pushback when it comes to changing the way the business used uh, to run in the company so when you come with automation ideas and automation process there, there is usually pushback and, and the mindset needs to be shifted. And that's very challenging to change the mindset of, of people. So that's another big challenge in, in the AI adoption in the retail industry. So I guess all in all, to establish the organization and make bring it to the level to become a mature data science R&D organization is absolutely very challenging. And many companies lose faith sometimes in data science and AI in the detail, because they did not start the right way their data science organization. They either place it in a wrong, um, let's say, uh, structure in the company. They did not have the right talent at the beginning to start their their, their, their data science orgs, or they started. The right, the right data science org. They have the right talents, but then there was lots of resistance and pushback, and the data science org was not able to deliver any value for the business. So it needs to go like it takes a village. It needs to have business leaders who actually believe in data science and AI. Business leaders who are open minded to new things that the data science is going to bring uh, to their business, and it takes also data science leaders who can be patient enough to educate the business leaders about what data science really can do for them, who are patient enough to start a data, a data science organization from scratch and work hard to attract the right talent and build the trust with, the, with, with their IT partners and, and, and the product partners and the business partners and everyone who work with them in the company. So I hope that answered your question.
0: Yeah, you know, that's great because I think, I mean, people who listen to our AI Today podcast know that we always talk about the talent crunch with data science and that, you know, many organizations want data scientists or, you know, need data scientists and they just can't get that talent that they're looking for. Additionally, we also talk about, you know, where do you place that data science team? So I really like that Mm -hmm. you brought that. Brought that up into this conversation, because I think that people do need to be thoughtful about that, especially if you're just starting your data science team. Um, You know, and I know that you had said, well, you know, where do you put it? And you think about it as, um, you know, it's it's different than the IT, the traditional IT um, organization. As well, and so I I really appreciated that you pointed that out. I mean, for our listeners out there who are in in that you know journey and developing the data science team, do you have recommendations for them to think about uh, as to where exactly to place it, and then why you recommend what where you do with placing the data science team?
2: That's a great question. <laughs> so I worked in two companies, as I mentioned earlier, and. The data science organization was placed in two different places. Uh, when I was at um, Career Builder, the data science was part of the IT, and I think the success of the data science org at Career Builder was mainly because of the open mind um, leadership on the IT side, and uh, that they listened when 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 we started the data science org, and I joined. I was actually um, I think we—I was you know, the first or the second data scientist they, they hired. They listened to us when we said we cannot work with the same setup uh, as the software engineering team because, as I said, we cannot deliver a feature every two weeks in a Sprint. It's an R and D. We need to do discovery. We need to do research before we start working on anything. So they—they they, listen to us. They usually uh, tend to come and ask us about what is the right way to manage the data science projects and, and how would you guys like to collaborate with the product management, with the engineering team, and so on. So I guess the placement under the IT uh, for K-Builder worked well. Then when I joined Home Depot, the data science is not actually under the IT. It is under the online organization, which is kind of a business unit. It is not uh, an IT unit. So uh, right now, under Home Depot, again, it's, it is going pretty well. I guess because the whole online as a business unit is kind of uh, people who believe in the new trends and the new technology uh, in the e-commerce. So we kind of on the same page. We didn't have to do lots of um, education and go educating our leaders about how to manage the data science works. Um, Plus, the benefits also there is that you are on the same organization, the same organization with the product management team. And usually the product and data science need to work very closely with each other uh, to actually uh, at the end deliver stuff and make it customer facing. So the data scientists don't need to be disconnected from the product management at all. They need to work really closely with each other. The only challenge in that setup if you put the data science under the business unit is then the relationship with the IT. And that's absolutely challenging if you don't have a strong product management organization that connect the dots and connect the or coordinate the work between the data science resources and the engineering resources, then that's 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 going to be very challenging. So the uh, the pros, I would say, of the business uh, placing the data science under business unit is you bring them closer to the product management organization, and then that helps a lot, making things go faster into the customer facing. But the challenge is managing the relationship with the IT because they, they don't work closely with the IT when uh, the same way when they are actually under the IT organization, when they did science under IT. So when I was at CB, we are very close to the IT. Because we are we are under the same org with the software engineering team, we are part of the same organization, so we work closely with each other. It was easier to manage the relationship there between data science and engineering teams. But the, the product management was kind of uh, wasn't so much involved because they were under a different organization. At Home Depot now, product and data science are under the same org. Engineering is not under the same org. That caused some, uh, as I said, challenge to manage the relationship between data science and and IT. But then. You need to rely on the product management to fill that gap or to bridge the relationship between the two organizations. So those are the two setups that I'm familiar with, and I cannot re- really recommend like one over the other one. Right now, I can see the benefit of being in the business unit with Home Depot. I don't know if all the business units out there are the same setup or where the product management and uh, data science live together. But uh, bringing the data science closer to the product management has its own benefit, but it comes with its own challenge, which is. Uh, relationship with the software engineering teams.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this is a great conversation. I think that's one of the interesting things about data in, in general, because we're talking about data science, and of course, the core of all this is this data. And it's like data yeah. is not actually really a technology thing, right? Data is a is an right. asset, asset and a resource in and of itself. Let's say. Well, here's money. Where does money sit in your organization? Well, I don't know. Well, it depends. Mm-hmm. What are you doing mm-hmm. with it? Are you spending it? Are you earning it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Are you using right. it? Same with data. It's like, are you creating it? Are you, you know, manipulating it? So this is a really fascinating topic, and I think we're really, you know, as as much as we've had like a 70-plus year history here of data and I in AI and IT and IT in general, I think we're still at the, the early stages of all this. And sort of like, Absolutely. Know, yeah, sorry. So just carrying on a little bit, I mean, um, so we've heard a few examples when you were talking about the applications of AI at Home Depot. So we talked about recommendation system, and you mentioned a little bit about semantic search. I think some of it came from career builder, but you're also saying there was some of it going on, I think, at the Home Depot. So can you, can you tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about the different aspects of AI and machine learning? that you're applying, maybe different kinds of problems, and just in general, you know, how you've, how you've mm-hmm. leveraged different aspects of AI to solve some of the, the challenging um, uh, e-commerce problems that, that the Home Depot has and others in
2: the, in the retail industry. Yeah, sure. So if I think of the different aspects of data science, let's, let's for example, uh, take a few of those aspects. One aspect is the statistical analysis. When we talk about statistic analysis, and I know, uh, I like always to clarify that people interchangeably use the term data science and machine learning most of the time, because maybe machine learning is the kind of the most popular buzzword in the data science field, but actually data science imply like more than uh, machine learning. It is more than machine learning. So I like to highlight different aspects of the data science, uh, and then I will talk actually how we leverage those. So, statistical analysis, one of the data science aspects. We leverage that for problems like uh, similar, like identifying similar categories. Like, how can I identify similar categories? Which means, like, categories that if customers shop for this category. Uh, then, if I show them recommendation from that category, they will consider they will consider it. They will be interested in seeing those. Instead of showing them um, recommendation from the other category, then they will they will maybe consider that like totally odd and it's it is going to be embarrassing, right? So identifying that kind of relationship and similarity between categories. This is an, an an example of where we leveraged statistical analysis and the way we leverage statistical analysis there is by looking into the customer behavior. When customer, when we have uh, the online sessions, we know actually uh, customers have viewed item X, they viewed item Y. I know that item X belonged to category A and item Y belong to category B. So we looked at co-view data, we looked at co-purchase data, we looked also at the taxonomy that we already have in house, where the uh, categories are uh, placed in the ta- in an in, in a hierarchical taxonomy, and we looked at the relationship between those. Uh, categories in the taxonomy based on uh, like shared parents. Where is the shared parent between this category and that category in the taxonomy? So running that statistical analysis on all these data points enable us to identify which categories actually go well with which other categories and which categories we should not consider recommendation from because they are far away or totally irrelevant to um, the given set of categories. So this kind of relationship usually is an example of where you can leverage statistical analysis in e-commerce. The other aspect that we use from data science is natural language processing, NLP. And for natural language processing, we have tons of use cases. One of those most uh, popular use cases, which we uh, recently published a paper about, is the sentiment analysis. Sentiment analysis of the customer reviews. When customers come to Home Depot as you know, and and they uh, interact or engage with a product, they usually, after they purchase, they leave a review about that product. So the question is, when you go to any of those reviews, and it's not just at Home Depot, everywhere you go and see reviews today, there are hundreds or thousands of those reviews. As a customer, you don't have time to go skim over all these reviews to understand what customers say. Yes, there is an overall uh, rating, which is the stars that tells you, three stars, four stars. But how about if you would like to know actually what aspects of that product customers praised or liked and what aspects customers hate about that product, right? So to answer that question, you have to go through the reviews and read actually what customers said about the product. Instead, using the NLP techniques today, what we have done is we built a sentiment analysis model which actually takes all the reviews about the product and it extracts the positive aspects and the negative aspects about the product. So it's going to extract the aspects which people talk positively about. So, for example, people would say, oh, this is a spacious uh, refrigerator. So spacious, in this case, is like a positive aspect about the space, right? So people like that refrigerator because it is spacious. It has plenty of room. So all those kind of variations of describing the same aspect, which is the space, is uh, is, is used in a, in a positive way. And then there is a negative way maybe someone is talking about um, uh, a washer or dryer they purchased recently that, oh, it is loud, right? Loud in this case is absolutely in a negative aspect, a negative uh, um, a sentiment when it comes to talking about washer or dryer, because you don't want it to be loud. So... So this is very interesting and a challenging kind of problem that we actually um, solved by using data science NLP techniques. And this um, sentiment analysis and the summary of the aspects, positive and negative aspects about the products, is actually live on the website today. If you go to any of our products and you see those, especially on on the appliances, and you see those positive and negative aspects listed on top of the reviews, um, remember that this is driven by NLP technique and then finally the deep learning aspect of the uh, data science is absolutely taking the whole e-commerce today in a storm everyone is 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 leveraging deep learning almost everywhere now to solve problems it, it is very powerful technique to use and we have leveraged uh, deep learning for many use cases including identifying similar products identifying visually similar products uh, including query understanding, query classifications in the search side, and so on. So deep learning is kind of all over uh, the place in, in uh, our data science org at Home Depot. So those are some of the popular aspects that we use uh, in our day-to-day job at, uh, at uh, Home Depot data science team.
0: You know, thank you for sharing that. I know that our listeners, you know, we've talked a lot about about these in the past in some previous episodes as well, sentiment analysis for sure. And some of our listeners have taken our CPMAI training and certification, and we mm-hmm. talked sentiment analysis in there as well. So they um, are very familiar with this. And we actually, you know, we see that this whole content intelligence and digitization is really becoming a a hot area. And I think more and more companies are looking at that. So Cognolytica is actually in early 2021, we'll be running an event based around content intelligence and digitization. Um, So we're excited. We're excited about that. Uh, so maybe we'll get you back for it.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Very yeah, interesting. would be nice, yeah. Cool.
0: So we always like to end our podcasts with this final question uh, because we love to hear the variety of answers that we get from our guests. Mm-hmm. What do you think the future of AI is in general and its applications to organizations and beyond?
2: Yeah, I love that question. Actually, I, I usually get asked this question in, in different interviews, and I love it because uh, AI is absolutely transform is transforming every and each aspect of our life. And when when they describe AI now as the fourth industrial revolution, it is absolutely a fourth industrial revolution because our life would not look the same five years from now because of the AI. So where AI is taking us, I guess AI is. AI is going to get more and more involved in our daily life. Today, we know that when we talk to Siri, when we talk to Google, when we talk to Alexa, that we are using AI. When we uh, when we search on Google, we are using AI. So it has become part of our life, but it's going to get more and more involved in our daily life. I think uh, the uh, AI is going to basically power more of the wearable devices that is going to become an important part of our lives, uh, including... Um, Checking our like uh, health, wellness, uh, and and uh, our fitness and everything, and give us like insights about uh, about what can what wrong can happen if we do this or don't do that, you know. So uh, relying more on the insights and the intelligence which uh, f- from the data using the AI techniques is going to make our life, I guess, in the future more and more kind of efficient, safe, and healthier. So by efficient, if you think today of the way we do things, we know that we are not doing things always in an efficient way. But with AI, everything is going to be done in a more efficient way. And that's going to actually help human and mankind to focus more on things that require the human intelligence instead of doing the things which AI can automate for us and do it even better than us. Also, it's going to keep us safe because now if you think of all the capabilities that we have with AI from the, um, for example, the inspection perspective. Like AI can inspect now the uh, telecommunication towers, can in, it can inspect the, the forests for the wildfires, for example, in California and things, it can actually inspect everything. You now with AI, you can train models and you can actually automate the inspection. And with the automation of the inspection, you can run it at larger scale. And with larger scale, you can actually cover more things that you can uh inspect. And that's gonna keep us safe, which is which is good. And also healthier because with AI, as I mentioned with the wearable devices, you're gonna we we're gonna have something like proactively monitor our health, proactively monitor our wellness, proactively monitor our fitness, and it's gonna actually give us predictions of what's gonna happen for example if if there is an indication that there is something wrong going on with our body instead of waiting until that something wrong happened and then go to a doctor and in some areas rural areas like good luck to find a doctor specialized in a specific thing with AI now with medical uh, images reading automated via AI and with with all the, uh, the the techniques which the Apple watches and other smart watches and other wearable devices providing now, AI is going to make us healthier for sure. So I think, as I said, like AI in the future, it's going to make organizations and individuals more efficient. It's going to make us safer and it's going to make us really uh, healthier. And that's that's the promise of the AI revolution.
1: Well, that's fantastic. Well, we like that. We like those positive promises. And every time we we have these interviews, as Kathleen mentioned, you know, we, we get some great responses. People are thinking about all sorts of stuff from... The augmented side of things to the assistive mm-hmm. side of things. This is this is really great. So you've been a fantastic interview. So thank you so much for joining us today on the AI Today podcast.
2: My pleasure.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, as well as a link to the research that Khalifa uh, referenced earlier in the podcast and the data for AI Conf, his talk as well. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also, subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes.
1: Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor.